Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss all things life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury, hosted by Elena Polly and Brooke Paget. Our partner's spinal cord injuries are what brought us together, and our common bond as caregivers to quadriplegics is what helped us to create the advocacy group, Wags of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges this lifestyle presents, and our mission is to spread awareness and positivity from our unique perspectives. So join us each week as we discuss fresh topics and new ideas surrounding relationships, self-care, and living your best life as a caregiver and partner to someone with a serious injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wikes of SEI podcast. Here we go. The episode you're about to enjoy is brought to you by Anchor Medical Supplies. This company is very special to us as it is owned and operated by a quadriplegic. His name is Paul and his wag of SCI, Jessica. They have been married for 22 years and they strive to provide the best service in the industry for catheters and ostomy products. Anchor Medical Supplies is based in Georgia, but work with nationwide Medicare, Medicaid, and many private insurance companies, including Blue Cross and TRICARE. They work with your doctor's office to get prescriptions organized and they bill insurance directly. They ship discreetly to your door without any hassles. They are passionate about advocating for those with disabilities. And most of their staff are individuals that have been affected by paralysis themselves. Their personalized services include monthly check-ins, expert advice, and customized products. This makes them a company you can really rely on and trust. They know the SCI life and they understand how important peer support can be. If you aren't sure you want to change providers, subscribe to their monthly newsletter. Jessica curates the latest SEI news, new products, and advice so you can stay informed and connected. Just go to their website, anchormedsupplies.com, and fill out the easy form. Give Jessica and Paul a call today at 1-833-667-8669, or you can visit their website at anchormedsupplies.com and tell them the legs of SEI sent you. Hey guys, welcome back to the Wags of SCI podcast. So today we've got a juicy topic. It's very juicy and it's also very relevant to what's going on in the world today. And what are we going to be discussing, Elena? So today we will be talking about transitioning out of COVID-19 and what that looks like for different couples. I mean, this is very geographically based and it's quite a personal transition, whether you transition or not. Um, And with that comes caregiver guilt around what you can do and what your partner can and cannot do or participate in which activities. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so relevant right now. And there's so many different scenarios and different situations in our community right now. So for those of you, just to give you a little bit of background. So COVID-19, you know, everything exploded. We were in lockdown. Um our partners are considered higher risk individuals because of their pre-existing conditions, which is a spinal cord injury. Um, and there's a lot of other conditions that come along with that. Mm-hmm. So we've all had to quarantine for a solid few months um, and just keep ourselves safe. But with that being said, there was a lot of different complications um, that happened to a lot of different couples in our community, um, including, you know, you and Dan, Elena, including me and Evan. Um, mm-hmm. And some of us were thrust into 
being a full-time caregiver for the very first time. And there's so many different perspectives on that. There's so many different scenarios in our community. And I think everyone took it a little bit differently. Um, And so now getting out of COVID, Elena, like I know the restrictions here in British Columbia, where we're from, have said... You know, the restaurants and, and bars and, and stores are opening with social distancing measures in effect. And I know there's a lot of places in the States that are doing the same. Um, and this means that, you know, we can go out with safety measures in place. However. Right. right. And that's important to keep in mind. Like, you know, there are so measures in place, you know, the world has not gone back to completely being, you know, back to normal. Well, and I don't think that it's going to be normal for a long time. Like, I think our world is looking Mm -hmm. very different. Um, And it's just interesting, our dynamics, how they've changed through COVID. And being in quarantine with somebody for a long time prevents a lot of challenges, especially when you are put in the position of caregiver for the first time and you're not used to it. Um, And... I know, Elena, you posted about this on Facebook, and there was a bunch of different responses from different women in the community and just their different perspectives. And we wanted to share that with you guys, obviously, anonymously, but we have a community of, you know, thousands of women that are in our same situation. They all have partners with spinal cord injuries. And there was some differing opinions, right? Yeah, there were. And again, this comes down to the resources that, you know, we do have and we don't have. For instance, my partner and I do and did have home care. So home service that would come in to um, our home in the mornings for an hour and a half and would do the bowel program, shower and get Dan dressed. So because of COVID, we obviously were quite fearful um, and quite concerned for both of our health, actually. For those who don't know, um, why don't you explain to them like why you originally chose not to have home care and why the majority of couples in our community chose to forego that during COVID? Well, I mean, I think the obvious is that you want to prevent having somebody else coming into your home, right? Um, During COVID-19, like what you... Well, especially when the majority of them are um, the cases, well, around here are from healthcare and nursing homes, right? Where a lot of the home care workers work. Yes. So not necessarily, well, nursing homes, they were long, long term care homes, right? So the majority of them were affecting elderly people in long term care homes. For instance, my mom's care home um, had an outbreak itself, right? So and there's still outbreaks going on right now. And you know, the about an hour away from Elaine and I, where we live, there's some outbreaks in some long term care facilities still. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to contain it. But I mean, the reason why a lot of the people in our community decided not to have home care is because of the spread. We didn't want to expose ourselves and our partners to someone from the outside coming in. Right? Well, of course. And anyway, so getting back to the home care that we did have. So dad and I obviously had home care. He's a C5, C6 quad. Um, you know, like anybody, like you and Evan, we even say getting out of GF strong, you know, it's a huge transition. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. So even that in itself is a big transition. I mean, you're trying to kind of find some sort of balance in your life. So yes, so we and I think many other couples in our community decided to not have care, or at least part time not have care or whatever that looks like for them. 
limit the amount of care as much as possible. (laughs) Yes. And even with the care, like limit the amount of people coming in and out of your home. That means like a lot Mm -hmm. of us haven't seen our friends and family for a very long time. And Mm -hmm. with that, there are secondary conditions and complications that, that accompany somebody getting sick or having a flu or cold, um, with a spinal cord injury, you know, um, for instance, they can't cough themselves. That's like the very, very basic starting point besides becoming vent dependent and so on and so forth. So our, as everybody knows, our, our hospital systems were flooded. Um, I think that they do actually have a better hand on it. And I was talking to a nurse the other day, actually that came into our home to do an assessment and I said do you think you guys are prepared for the fall what do you expect for the fall and I was like do you think COVID's going to come back in the fall because that's kind of the conversation mm. right now right everybody is trying to figure well, out the- it, yeah and it's like how could it not it's flu season everyone's indoors everyone's you know mm-hmm. transferring stuff back and forth it's and, yeah. and once you catch it it's kind of like even with a common cold once you catch it it's like mm-hmm. it spreads like wildfire so anyway, so I thought it was interesting. I was like, so are you guys prepared? Do you think it's going to come back? What do we, what should we prepare for? And she basically says, she's like, honestly, they do have a grip on, on what's going to happen in the, in the hospitals and whatnot. She said that about 60% of the hospital beds were empty, even during COVID in our city. That's just our city. And British Columbia has done a pretty decent job, right? Oh, we've done an amazing job. We're like literally in praise around the rest of the country because of how well we've done in preparation. Right. So, yes. So, and then she said, but in the fall, there are going to be so many cases of common cold and flu and then having to test and differentiate between common cold and flu to COVID-19. So, yes, she, she predicted, I mean, this is, you know, this is, a nurse this isn't just like joe off the street so it was kind of cool to to hear that perspective so yeah so i was like okay thanks for letting us know good thing we got that deep freeze and we're gonna keep packing you know until until probably i don't know next year <laughs> yeah that that deep freeze is really good my other friend is trying to buy one right now and they're all sold out everywhere people are panic buying again yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i mean interesting well Yeah, I mean, you have to do what you, you know, you do what you can do. I mean, we got a defreeze because we were renting in a little sardine can here in Vancouver and our freezer is like the size of like, I don't even know, like a, like a Tupperware container. Like we have a tiny little freezer. So for us, it was like not sustainable to, to, if we were trying to, you know, not go out as often, um, then then that's what we have to do. And I think a lot of couples, I think I've heard of a lot of people that are doing that, whether you have an SCI or not, is just doing better research, preparing better uh, for the next round. Well, you know what, if the government recommendations are maximum once per week for going out with groceries, that usually the government recommendations are not only just for able-bodied people, but just the general population. And if they're saying that for, you know, the able-bodied people with no pre-existing conditions, I'm always like, hmm, <laughs> you never know. So you like, I, I always like, just like to kind of take that and expand upon it for our community. Cause I'm like, well, that's not really directed at us. And, right. you know, even when they reopened everything, they said, you know, for those with pre-existing conditions, this doesn't mean run out 
and get back to your daily routine. Right. This mean this means you have to still be careful because there is going to be more waves of it coming when everybody is kind of released into the wild, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you do have to be careful, but again, being sensible. I mean, like I posted on on our Facebook um, group the last couple of weeks before we had home care was really really hard for me. I think. Um, I mean, I myself like do suffer from depression and anxiety as it is. And I feel like I've, I've had a pretty decent like manage on it. Like, I don't, I don't think if anybody met me, they would say, Oh, you're a depressed person, you know, per se. Um, but I've, I've definitely, I'm also an, you know, for myself, I'm an extrovert. I'm an Aries. I like to be out. I like to be out mingling. Um, I don't do well staying at home 24 seven. That's just my personality type is I don't like it. Not to mention we live in little apartments, right? In Vancouver. And for some people, they really thrive in that. They really like it. Like for instance, Dan loves being at home. He's totally cool with staying at home and studying for hours. Whereas for myself, I'm like, I can't do it. But also to throw in the mix, you're going back to that full-time caregiver role. If, if that's not something that you're used to, and I think I've heard many couples on our page saying, you know, that was really hard. That was very eye opening. Um, it's it can become very physically and mentally, you know, uh, demanding if, if you're not prepared, if you don't have something in place um, where you have a balance in a system that works for you, too, then that can be that can be really difficult for some people. Yeah, of course. And I always like to think of it like the with the cup analogy. And I know I said this before, but I think it's the best analogy. Like, I feel like in general, as women that have also caregiving roles in our relationships, you know, a lot of us are just under the cup level of full. Um, and, you know, we're kind of swimming along, you know, there's always stress. And we're managing you know, depending on what our situation is, you know, normal life is just under the cup where it's not overflowing. We're good. If we have our systems in place, if we have nothing unexpected happens, but then when something like this happens, where you're kind of pushed into a, a different role than you're used to, that stress compounds on top and it just starts overflowing. And it's not unreasonable to have that happen. It just, it is what it is. It's how the body responds to stress. And I feel like at the beginning of all of this, when people felt like they were literally drowning, it's true. Like, I remember when Evan came home from the hospital and we were getting into our normal, a lot of the stories that these women were, were saying online and, you know, what you're saying, it's very similar, similar to how I felt. So I feel like I really can relate to that about feeling very overwhelmed and not knowing really how to do things properly and getting in each other's way. And all of these things take years to figure out. And so these women being thrust into that during COVID, all of a sudden, not to mention the whole fear thing of like, right. you're fearful for your and your partner's life. Well, the media doesn't help, right? No. And it's just more stress. That's right. And the media doesn't help either because it's like, I mean, a lot of people were like, oh, there's conspiracy theories and propaganda or whatever. But it's like at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're going to the grocery stores and the grocery store is completely out of eggs. You're like, okay, something's like totally out of whack here. So it's like in the same breath, like I think even at the very beginning of COVID, you and I were still going to to the recording studio at the library and it was like COVID had just began. And I remember- There was like just buzzings about it, yeah. Yeah, and I still remember God. the conversation you and I had. You're like, do you think that we should stop coming here and like maybe 
cool it for a while. And I remember, what did I say? I was like, oh, Brooke, you're just being crazy. You're just being, you know, you're falling. <laughs> no, you didn't say that. You're just like, really? It was so yeah. new. I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know what to think right now. It's such a public place. No, but I did. I was like, hey, I don't know about this. I was like, oh, I don't know. We have to, you know, we should we should cross-examine everything that everybody's telling us. I don't know about this. And then and then it was like the next week. It was like, it was like bam. It was like, I remember that. Yeah, it was like, actually, it's in Vancouver. Actually, it's like uh, in our hospitals. And stay we were inside. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, now that it was like all of a sudden, you know, referencing like how close it is to us and like people we know or the news or whatever, then we were all like in lockdown and we're like, okay, like now we're just in so panic sudden. Mode. Yeah. So sudden. And to be honest, I feel like if there wasn't so much fear, surrounding this because you know we have every reason to be kind of scared of this like it's you know none of us are gonna lie it's it's something that could very well impact us and we don't know there's so much so many unknowns and as human beings you know a lot of us have trouble with unknowns we're very used to our routine and predictability and and then when this happens it just makes the stress even more so I mean looking back at our first few months out of rehab add COVID to the mix I probably would have been I don't know in a mental institution maybe (laughs) but to be honest like it's just it's so much on your emotions and I think that when you're in it and when you're overwhelmed it's like it's just hard on everybody uh, especially yourself yeah it can be and I, I mean also you know there's a conversation about also like personality types within the household working together as a team as well it's like and I know that like my partner has said this to me many many times he's like I mean, I used to also advocate for him to be in charge of his own care, right? Be in charge of your own care. And I like clap my hands and dance around. And so now he's like, okay, listen, like when I'm helping him like transfers, getting dressed, he's like, okay, do it like this. Don't do it like that. And then when you're like first thing in the morning, you're tired, you're like, I don't really want to be doing this. And then on top of it, you're trying to like work together as a team. Some people obviously don't work that great as a team something that we're working on but but it's also that thing of like someone ordering you around early in the morning and I don't know I yeah I mean like that feeling of like yeah don't tell me what to do I can do it why are you totally and that's what (laughs) I would say I would like and then so like our mornings were starting off with like a snap show like like why is this even happening it's like first thing in the morning and we're already like kind of like putting the you know putting forth like the mood for the day and it was like Mm -hmm. this is just not working for us and I mean I've learned a lot of things um yeah I've learned a lot of things so it's good and I think a lot of women you know I was talking to Rebecca uh, um I was even talking to Cassandra the other day and we're all we were all kind of like like wow like totally command like the the women that can do this but like for ourselves it was like you need to have that like balance for myself I I just need balance in my life and balance for me personally looks like going out and doing other things with other people too let's put this episode on a momentary pause because we want to introduce all of you to another one of our amazing sponsors wish art brain and spine law Led by our personal mentor and lawyer, Robin Wishart. Wishart Brain and Spine Law is a uniquely specialized law firm located in Vancouver, British Columbia. They focus their practice on complex spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury cases and work with clients all over North America as advocates and a much needed resource for the SEI community. Robin and her team look at their clients differently than other firms. You are not just a case. You're a person with a family, a life, and a purpose. 
Robin and her team are always looking for ways that they can help rebuild the best life possible for their clients by finding them support they need for their recovery, such as assisting with insurance or benefits paperwork, finding resources for home adaptations, setting up medical appointments with doctors and specialists, making sure that her clients are doing okay physically and mentally. Wishart Brain and Spine Law is proud to support WEGS of SCI. Robin is committed to helping clients and their families any way she can because she wants you to live a life and not your claim. Your first consultation is always free. So contact them at brainandspinelaw.com and make sure you mention the WEGS of SCI. But you know what, though, I feel like, you know, you had mentioned many times that this is good and this is a good thing. And and to be honest, as hard as it is and how grateful people are for being able to have some space, I feel like um, there's a few of us that are like we've learned so much about ourselves, but we've also learned about what we need to work on in our relationships and it's been highlighted. Mm -hmm. And so you can view that as a catastrophe, but you can also view that as like a mirror, like, Oh, it's showing me what I need to work on. It's showing my partner what he needs to work on. And then together, like, what do we need to work on together? And and so I think in the community, like when you're put in a close confined space with someone factor in a bunch of fear and, you know, stress hormones all over the place, it's just a mix for, for, some crazy times, right? So I feel like it can be a blessing if you want it to be going forward, especially if there's round two, right? Yes, exactly. So that's why I mean, the push for us personally has been really good because we started therapy, right? So for us, it was like, oh my God, hallelujah. Like maybe this is the push that we needed. But again, of course. it's also the skills, like when we're talking about working on ourselves, a lot of people don't have those resources and this and those skills, right? It's like, where do I start? I mean, I was feeling a little bit like that too. At the beginning, I was like, hey, this sounds like, like a very lovely and romanticized idea of like, oh, let's just work on ourselves. But it's like, where do you start? And I think that's something you and I also, you know, foresee in the future for our community is having, um, having a professional on board on the WAGS team who is able to kind of provide more insight on coping on, you know, working together as a team. So it's, uh, it's been a lot of food for thought, which is good. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that would be amazing to have someone on Team Wags that does that because it's so hard to step out of your own little ego that you've created for yourself and kind of see that, you know, this doesn't need to be true. This doesn't need to be reality. This is just what I'm seeing as reality at the time under stress. And I think people don't give themselves a break when it comes to that. Like they don't, they're not easy on themselves. They're like, oh, why am I so stressed out? Why am I getting physical symptoms? Why do I feel cranky? Oh, and they shame themselves for it when it's actually like, no, this is, this is a chance to like, like look at yourself and choose how you want to be going forward, especially in round two of this. Like yeah. a lot of things are going to have to change for a lot of people. And there's a lot of time still yeah. to, to kind of work on that. And I don't know, you'll, you'll agree with this, Elena, when I say that everyone needs something to happen that kicks them into gear, whether it's, yes. you know, poor health, whether it's, you know, you're just, you just don't want to live the same way anymore and you don't want to be the same. So you want to elicit that, that change, initiate that change in your life. And I feel like for a lot of us, this is it, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I, I think you're right. You know, the, the way that I see it is like, it's a opportunity to reconstruct, reinvent, you're seeing something that's not working over a period of time, you know, take that as, as a, a lesson and, 
you know, especially with us being the caregivers and partners to some to our, our guys or whatever, it's it's hard to see a family member or like your partner struggling. So I think sometimes what we do is we kind of like jump in. We're the fixers, we're the sous chefs, we're the hairdressers through COVID. I'm not a good one, but still, it's like we're doing all these other roles that sometimes that like we tend to overperform, and then we like overdo it that like I said to Dan I was like it's one o'clock and I'm like just sitting down like this is the first time I'm sitting down to like chill mind you we were getting up at like 10 a.m right we, we just kind of lost that structure and that balance in our life where it was just kind of like a I don't know it was just there was just no structure and doing that for three months I was kind of like it just didn't work for us so Again, taking a step back and looking like looking back at the struggle that is within the system. And it was like, why I don't need to be doing all these things if there was resources, if there are resources in place, people that are getting paid to these to do this job that I'm not getting paid for it, which is a whole other can of worms that you and I can talk about another time. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's it just kind of like hit hard and. Well, there's that resentment, right? It's like that resentment of the unexpectedness, all the stress and all that. Just it just adds up to a big ball of right darkness, right? It does. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you feel like you've lost yourself, right? And and Mm -hmm. that's you know, by that point, it's usually too late. And for myself personally, my, one of my biggest fears has, has always been to be codependent on my partner. I just can't. I just never have been able to. I I don't need to be home being his mama because I'm not his mama. And so for me, it was kind of it was really, really hard because I felt like we were kind of like we had no choice, like everybody else. No, we didn't have a choice. Nobody had a choice. And for something that you're not used to and you're you know, being thrown into that, it's, it's kind of hard. And I, I mean, whatever, people have their own systems that work for myself, it didn't work. But you know, you speaking on the codependence thing, I think that's a really good point. I think people um, don't really understand what codependence is. I think they think it means something that it actually doesn't. What codependent means is when your partner is in a bad mood, you are in a bad mood and your moods and your feelings directly reflect upon your partner. If your partner's happy, you're happy. And that I think was really, really highlighted for a lot of couples in our situation um, during COVID because there is a difference between being a caregiver mm-hmm. and being able to separate that and being able to just accept, yeah, this person needs all my help. Right. It's just the way it is versus his feelings are my feelings. And if he's in a mood, I'm going to be in a mood and it's going to ruin my day. When in reality, that's one option, of course, but it doesn't need to be an option. You don't have to take on your partner's feelings and vice versa. And for a lot of people in a confined space, that's pretty hard because we absorb feelings when we're in small spaces easier because we're physical beings. Right. And I think like just noticing that and saying, Oh, do I take on my partner's feelings as my own? Because I don't have to. I'm a different person. I don't need to have. It's just another separation that we as caregivers have to achieve um, to find that balance that you were talking about. Another thing to add to the list. Yeah, which takes a lot. I mean, yeah. So now you're becoming like, what, a psychologist? It's, I mean, during COVID, I guess you could take some courses online. But Well, it's effort. It's effort, though. It's more effort that you have to add to the mix. Not only do you have to separate your romantic life from your caregiver life, but you also, or what about your home life and having to do all of that on top of being a lover and a partner. But then you have to start noticing, am I taking on his feelings? Are we codependent? 
codependent? Am I relying right. on his feelings to make me feel good and vice versa? And that is is more work. Which is hard to separate <laughs> because if you are the caregiver, then you, you kind of do take on what's going on with them, especially because I feel like a lot of caregivers are quite empathetic and you know and that's takes, the work right there right yeah it takes a certain kind of person to do the job but anyway so transitioning back out of covid for myself i've already started to transition i do go out pretty well every day now um go for a walk i mean it got to a point where i personally wasn't going for walks anymore i wasn't doing that self-care piece of what i needed to do there's nothing wrong with going out for walks and i know that lots of people have been saying this for a long time i think i just became very fearful of that but um, again, you know, use your discretion. If you're going into a grocery store, wear your mask, wear your gloves. Um, you know, you want to protect yourself because at the end of the day, there is still that chance you could be bringing something home. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so I've, I began to transition. Um, I started my paddle boarding lessons a couple weeks ago. So that was awesome. And by lessons, I mean, it's just me going out by myself and, falling into the water multiple times but so that's you know you have to do that's a really really good activity to do um that doesn't involve being around people which is kind of all that matters right now yes exactly and you want to do like the walking being out in the ocean there i mean every time i've gone you know you have to wear your mask in the compound when you're putting on like the wetsuit or whatever um but they don't usually allow people into the compound and you can just take off for a couple hours and you're not around anybody you're you're on the ocean right there's really nobody around so whatever people you know people go bike riding people go running whatever you need to do for yourself I am a huge and firm believer in doing that self-care piece yeah and there's it's whatever makes your heart happy if you're not happy you've got to figure out what makes you happy and I feel like now when the restrictions are being eased these you know women in our community are kind of like okay what do I need what am I going to do differently next time and it's like a lot of self-reflection is going on right now and a lot of like okay this didn't work the first time what are we going to do this time around how are we going to like prepare for this in an emotional way not just a physical way because it's it's not going to be something that we're not prepared for again we're all going to be prepared for this we're all going to know okay lockdown all right we're ready yes and I think that's a good point too is is having something in place you know the second time it's like the first time nobody knew that we've never been through a pandemic before well most of us haven't um especially at our age you know so the second time around you know having a system in place that actually works instead of just kind of throwing your hands up in there and being like okay like whatever we're winging it right this time yeah and it'll be interesting to see how us as wags are uh you know reacting to the situation differently because if that you know we know what to expect we have things in place that are going to allow us to look after ourselves and we're not going to have that big fear piece that came when this all came crashing down and everyone was like, oh, you know, looking back now, I see like the beginning month was like very, very transformative for me personally. It brought up so many things. And I know there's a lot of wags out there that'll be able to relate to this, but it brought up a lot of like PTSD and 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 fear around death that happened to me when my partner had his accident. Um it really it's amazing how the body and the emotions are remembered when a certain form of fear and trauma resurface again even if it's about a different fear it brings up that base fear of like you're scared for your life you're scared for your partner's life and that for me was huge at the beginning and I was like oh my god I am being shown this I need to work on this I need to 
to literally deal with this head on the prospect of potentially losing my partner or my own life. You have to deal with it head on when it comes to this kind of thing, because we're so impacted potentially by it. So yeah, and it's crazy how your body remembers, right? It's like sometimes your brain forgets, but your body holds on to those moments that you were going through. Like the PTSD stuff, you're totally right. We did. We've definitely felt it. I definitely felt it um, was it's also that association with being isolated once again, you know, like many of us have been, many of us have had to kind of take things on a into our own hands and be being isolated, which is a very real thing, especially for caregivers, you know, caregivers need support. Had we not had an online outlet and a forum, I don't really know where we would go with, with some of the conversations and the support that, our, our caregivers really needed. And that is something that's still locking in the community is that support for caregivers, you know, always being put on the back burner, always being forgotten. So, well, I think we should let everybody out there know that, you know, the main reason why we do this podcast is so that women don't feel alone. And, you know, like our situation here, Evan and I, we're still, um, you know, isolating I mean, we're not hanging out with friends or family unless it's absolutely necessary. And myself, I'm higher risk with asthma. Um, I don't have bad asthma, but I am higher risk Mm -hmm. because of, you know, I'm defined as someone who has asthma. Um, But then during all this now, a lot of us around the world are still in isolation and we're still feeling that need to be connected with someone. And we just, both Elaine and I want everybody out there to know that you're not alone and now is a great time to start looking at yourself and your situation because at the end of the day the only person that you can change is yourself and every every second of the day is an opportunity for you to be your best self and whatever makes your heart happy and I know like Elena you said earlier it's it sounds corny but it's so true like you only live once right we always talk about this This is your only life, so make it a good one. And self-care is self-respect, girlfriend. That's what I've learned. Do you... Yeah, of course. Do you want to um, go over some of the comments from Facebook? Oh, God, there were so many. And I mean, firstly, we want to say thank you to everybody who did contribute. And I know I needed that support um, for myself. And we got a ton of support. And so many women had mentioned, um, you know, they... Like I was saying, that self that self care and that caregiver guilt. Like, how how do you guys manage those feelings when they arise? And a lot of, I mean, there were a few women actually that said, you know, I actually don't spend time with my friends anymore. I was feeling way too guilty um, that I just decided to spend all my time with my husband. And I said, do you feel better about that? And she said, actually, I do because now I don't even have to deal with the guilt. So I mean, mm-hmm. there's that perspective, right? It's that that's a way of handling it yeah I mean there's that perspective <laughs> right? it's an option <laughs> yeah for sure and I was like oh that's like pretty legit thank you for being so honest but a lot of women said no um I mean also there are the wags who met their partner after injury so for those wags they said no I still hang out with my friends he hangs out with his friends like we have that balance Nothing's really changed. There were some women who said, I still go out, you know, girls trips. Um, I still do those things. I have to, you know, my self-care is his care. And that's something you and I have talked about many, many times is that my care is his care. That means if you take care of yourself, whatever that looks like for you, that you are a happier person, you're more patient, you're a better partner to your partner. And 
I personally totally fit into that box. I will, I will say it loud and clear. Like I have no shame around that. My care is for me to spend time with my girlfriends and I have seen a couple of them now through, even through COVID and I just feel so much better. Um, I get to come home and I, I feel like I'm not just like stuck in one room with my partner and vice versa, you know? So um, yeah, so there was that perspective too, where, where some women said that. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I feel like, um, there's not one size fits all as to what your reality should and could and is like, um, in our community. There's, that's why it's so awesome to have the perspective of all these different perspectives because they're all so different. And like you said earlier, they're all based on personalities and they're all based on, you know, work that you've done and work that you haven't done. And, um, I, my partner and I, most of our friends are our couples friends. Like it's been that way since before his injury. It's always been that way since 10 years ago, we started dating. We've always had mutual friends. Um, and so for us, it's like, we hang out with mutual friends, um, online together right now. Um, you know, most of our friends have children now and they're still isolating too. Like one of my best friends, she just had a baby and she's, isolating because of her new baby and she doesn't want to expose him to anything. So, yeah. you know, there's lots of people that may listening that are able-bodied individuals that have friends and family that have spinal cord injuries. And uh, we want to say hello to you too, because right. a lot of people are still not going out and seeing friends and family and it's just online. Right. And so it's important to have that community and network too, and include those people, I think, because, yes. you know, they may be, they, they're struggling. They may be struggling, but we're doing Zoom call meetups with our friends and you know we're doing as much as we can virtually and you know it's to each their own it's whatever works for you and whatever makes your heart happy if you're really craving that sisterhood connection with your friends like you are then do it it's yeah. it's all about weighing your pros and your cons right whatever works for you exactly and that's at the end of the day that's exactly it whatever works for you and also respecting people's boundaries and space if that if that's what they're you know if you decide to isolate then you know i think that one of the issues through covid was that it was creating a lot of division between people and you know that division came from fear-based um, ideologies and and the things that we're seeing on the news and that fear, that anger was masked with the fear. So I think it, it did create a lot of outbursts and, you know, lashing out at other people through social media and, you know, people had very different opinions. And I think that created a lot of like a lot of separation between people instead of coming together and being like, Hey, I respect your views. Your views are different than my views. We can still be friends. You know, I saw a lot, a lot of that on social media. So I think at the end of the day, you know, what's interesting about that, Elena is, is, it's so true when it comes to that kind of like the chatter that has been online and how it's just too much for some people. And it's just, everybody is just news, this news that influencing their decisions and all that kind of stuff. It's interesting because I found that, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I found that the people that once again, just as the same as when my husband's injury happened, the people that care about you that are meant to be in your life will shine through during tough times. And I know we've talked about this, in the past so many times when it comes to friends and family and people that are not meant to be in your life will slowly disappear, especially at the beginning of this injury. We've all had that happen to us. But I feel like now it's not just the injury. It's just times of trouble. 
in times of fear is when you really see people's true colors. And I've spoken to a few of my friends about this and they've said the same thing. They're like, oh my gosh, there's so many people and family members that I just haven't spoken to. And now I'm like, do I really need to speak to those people? Do I have to have them in my life? No. And so that's another part that could be really positive is our lives are going to be different because the friends that we are the quote friends that we had may not necessarily have that same role in our lives as before COVID. Right. And so everything's going to be so different. Right. And it doesn't need to be negative. It just is what it is. Exactly. It is what it is. And acceptance comes along with that too. You you know, I mean, I've also felt the other side of that um, coin and that's been that people that I haven't heard from all of a sudden coming through and like wanting support Mm -hmm. or wanting discussion or craving conversation or wanting to catch up or whatnot. And I'm like, whoa, where have you been the last couple of years and you want to catch up now? I don't know. I think maybe people have a lot of time on their hands now, but so interesting. It is an interesting time and, you know, you got to do your best. So moving forward, how are you going, how have you been practicing managing your own guilt, um, caregiver's guilt by, you know, doing Mm -hmm. you, but also being a caregiver? How have you managed that? How have I managed that? We got home care as fast as we could. We got them back in so I could have a life again. I mean, I don't have guilt anymore. I, I don't feel bad. You know, at first I did actually, I, I, sh- I shouldn't say I don't have guilt. I did. I remember sitting at the beach one, one of the days, one of the mornings getting up early home care comes at seven. So I would go walk down to the beach and the beach that I go to is like really secluded. You have to climb some stairs down. And so I think that's a deterrent for people to go especially if you, if you have little kids, but I was sitting there and I was thinking, I was like, you know, I really just want to be in the ocean. I really value my time. I'm in the ocean. And then I was like, but I can't, I haven't gone to the beach in years because my partner has a spinal cord injury. And what mm. I, sorry, I go to the beach all the time. I haven't been in the water. I haven't had like a beach uh-huh. day that, that I would before, you know, or a pool day uh-huh. um, because my partner can't be in the ocean. And I felt really bad. And I was like, you know, I feel really guilty. Even, even sometimes when I post, videos and photos of me going for my like ocean strolls I feel bad um, because you know Dan will see it and think oh I can't even get down there or whatever so sometimes I feel bad so then I just kind of started by like inquiring to see what kind of what kind of lessons or whatever I could take down at the beach and they have like windsurfing kayaking there's adapted sailing down there as well by the way um, and paddle boarding so then I, you know, Dan, you, Dan did try the adapted sailing, um, when he was first injured and, you know, he didn't really like it. So then I came home and I started doing like kind of that conversation with him myself thinking, so is this guilt because Dan feels bad that he can't go? Or is it my idea of Dan feeling bad that he can't go? And then I was mm-hmm. like, so I talked to him about it. He said, like, I don't even want to go. Like, I don't really care for adapted sailing. It's not a big deal. You should go. So all of, you know, all this time, all these years, I have this idea of an idea that he might think that isn't even true. And I think that's where managing those, that caregiver guilt starts is having mm-hmm. open conversation and just getting down to the bottom of it instead of just assuming and having that assumption taking over your life, just having those conversations. Had he said, you know, I feel really bad. Um, I feel really bad. I can't go in the ocean. I'm missing out so much. In all honesty, I probably would still do it, but maybe not tell him about it because I don't want to a sacrifice something that I can't do, but also I don't want to make him feel bad. 
Or maybe I would tell them about it and be like, Hey, where, why do you feel bad about this? You know, we have to have some kind of reason around that. Yeah. I mean, I'm really glad you brought that up because I feel like that's a big thing that women in our community tend to do um, because they're, you know, empathetic people and they're caregiving people and they care. They confuse that um, with protecting their partner's emotions. Mm -hmm. You cannot do that. And I know every time someone comments on the message board in the group about, oh, how do I help my partner through this? How do I make him feel better? You can't. All you can do is... Be loving towards yourself and to and be respectful to him and communicate and support him. That's all you can do. You cannot change their feelings. You cannot coddle them. You cannot make them feel any differently than they feel. You only can do you. And it's not selfish. Like, I think people think, oh, what do they mean? Taking off to the spa, leaving the quad partner at home and blah, blah, blah. No, it's what do you need to make yourself feel happy? Then be considerate of his feelings But if he's upset, that's his own reaction that has nothing to do with you. And there's nothing you can do to fix it. All you can do is just be respectful, do you. And if he has anger and he has resentment, that's for him to deal with. And so I think that's the hardest part in our in our position as caregivers is to just really, really drill that into our minds and say, no, I don't have to. If I'm doing something that is loving towards myself and isn't hurting anybody, and it's making me happy, I should definitely do it no matter what it is. And his feelings are his feelings. Yeah. You know, that's, it's brutal, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have, again, we have a lot of women who, who have conversations on both sides of that, but you know, we can only speak from our perspectives as well. And, and these perspectives, you know, I mean, it took COVID for me to really come down to this realization of why am I sacrificing myself and then feeling really resentful and feeling really upset and angry where it's like all of that could be avoided by getting down to the root of the problem, which is really important to do. Right. Yeah, I just think that's really, really special. And um, it's definitely just, I know a lot of women out there will be thinking the exact same thing. And it's just, it's very, very special. And, you know, it, it often takes tragedy to have something special happen and a realization happen, unfortunately, but there is a reason for everything. So that's right. Again, that's just my perspective. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's really important to just like notice that and honor that and just honor yourself as the special caregiver, amazing women that you are out there and just be happy and do you and love yourself enough to like not drive yourself into the ground because you know your care is his care it's so true that's right so once again thanks so much for listening to elena Polly and brooke paget on the wags of sei podcast cheers cheers the advocacy and outreach group wags of sei is currently a volunteer-based operation We raise funds year-round to pay for date nights for our couples, essential medical supplies that our members may not be able to afford, mental health support for our WAGs, including counseling, and our amazing meetups led by our volunteer ambassadors around the globe. If you feel called to support our mission, please visit our website, wagsofsci.com, or donate directly to the WAGs of SCI GoFundMe page. We thank you for your support to help make this group possible and make a difference in the lives of SCI couples worldwide.